Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone! On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Well, here we are. Uh, it's absolutely, you know, cold, wintry, and uh, it's going to get nothing but colder and more wintry as uh, we do the additions week after week, Dan, of uh, Tiger Talk. It's, it's inside Tiger Town. I mean, Tiger's Talk is here. That means that whatever kind of winter we've had, it changes now. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> the snow's coming. Everything's coming. But uh, it's always great to come in here. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I miss baseball. And by this time of the year, you know, I can't wait for the show to start because, you know, I get to come in here with you and, and talk about this. Um, I know the Tigers have had a had a bad year last year. I mean, the, the definition of a bad year is forty seven and one fourteen, and uh, there's no sugar coating that. I don't think anybody's going to try to pretend about it. But I don't care. In the bigger context of things, myself, you know, Dan, the the baseball folks, because we love the game no matter what. And uh, you know, regardless, there were some great players that played at Comerica Park last year. Just there were more of them on the other team than there were on the Tigers. And there are a lot of interesting storylines with the Tigers uh, as the two hundred or 2020 season approaches, in my opinion, especially with their farm system. What are they going to do? Uh, you know, I know a lot of fans are like, oh, it's hopeless. And not really. Uh, there's a little bit more hope than what people believe. Uh, but baseball rebuilds. And look, I'm not – I thought last year got way uglier than it needed to be. Um, or by nature, ugly. But – the, the truth of the matter is, when it starts to come on, you start to see it a little bit. And what the Tigers are doing, in my opinion, is what they needed to do. They probably should have started a couple years later. Different circumstances with them at the time uh, to get it going. But uh, this is kind of like th- year three of the rebuild in earnest, as far as I'm concerned. And I think you'll see a lot more progress when we're talking about this next uh, January. No, I would agree. It's, it's always fun to walk in here in January and you realize, wow. I mean, the, to me, this is kind of begins the process, That's and true. you'll be, in, you know, we'll be in spring training before you know it. Right. Uh, we got to get you down there again, by the way, Pat. Yeah, you know what? I kind of started <laughs> start lobbying for, for you. Well, I was sitting there looking at the, 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 the something on Fox Sports Detroit it was up on the TV, and they're showing the minor league fields. I just missed that, you know, because you know I, I loved. Uh, well, when I covered spring training every year, it got to be a bit of a routine. But, you know, I, I miss that, especially the the minor leagues and, you know, all those things. Because in spring training, uh, the bigger story often is younger players. And more than ever with the Tigers. More than ever, you know, spring training is going to be interesting because there's a lot of competition this year at different positions, you know. Uh, they've set it up. We have C.J. Crone, uh, Tigers free agent first baseman who was signed. But he's going to be the first baseman, which means that uh, you're going to have Dewal Lugo and uh, Jamer Candeliaro uh, fighting it out, you know, well, at third that, base yeah. and some other spots. Harold Castro at short with uh, Nico Goodrum, who's, you know, probably got the upper hand at this point. Going to give Willie Castro a little bit more experience. Across the board, different players. And the one thing about the Tigers, they're the land of opportunity right now for some of these kids. I like the free agent signings. Obviously, you'd love a left-handed bat. Yeah. The Tigers know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that uh, somebody like Eric Thames is probably a little pricier than they could afford to spend. I'm guessing their budget is, what would you think? I mean, they've spent $16 million on three guys. I'm guessing their budget is probably right around 20 well, to spend year, on free agents. Last year, they spent $15 million 
on four uh, free agents, uh, Moore, uh, Ross, uh, Mercer, and then Harrison. Right. And there weren't good signings last year. Uh, a couple of injury issues came in there, some unpredictable. Year before, though, they did a very good job. Right, and that's that's basically the nature of shopping from the bargain bin, right? Right. You're going to hit some years, and other years you're not. But I, I like the signings a couple of years ago, and I like these signings more than I did last year's. Uh, although I thought more uh, possibly could have been somebody if he developed, uh, they could have flipped, and he did pitch well before he got hurt. Had the uh, lowest ERA for anybody with 10 innings or more. Yeah. But, he, but, you know, I mean, he he was. No, he actually did look like he could do more than obviously what he'd done the previous two years. And that years. was unfortunate because it wasn't. Fielding a month. Yes, it wasn't related to what happened to him. So I don't want to give uh, Al Avila too hard a time about it. But, he, you know, I didn't think he did as good a job at last year. But the year before when they flipped Martin and they flipped Fires right. uh, into deals. And I think Shore and, uh, you know, the other kid uh, from TCU, the reliever. Uh, oh, I can't. Uh, Black. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. They have a chance to pitch in the major Blackwell, I think it is, and he throws from the side. Uh, he's a right-hander, and, uh, you know, obviously Willie Castro, he might be their shortstop of the future. I think he's been a little undervalued um, compared to what his potential is and his upside. Um, those are good deals. So I think with Cron and uh, with uh, – Shoop, Shoop, or Shop, uh, Jonathan Scope. Scope, Scope, what I call him, Shoop. Scope. Because it looks like Shoop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I always mispronounce his name. I apologize for that. They're, you know, in that uh, 28 to 32 uh, category of age where they're in the prime of their prime. And if they do well and it's more of a buyer's uh, market, than a sell, uh, seller's market more than a buyer's market, and scope was flipped at the trade or flipped at the trade deadline uh, in 2018. Yeah, so you know I was talk about it, you know, tilling the soil, you know, just keep doing that. You know, right now it looks like the you know there's nothing there because they're planted some seed and nothing sprouted or a few things have sprouted and it's in that area and you're wondering if it's gonna you know survive uh, you know a frost or something. I don't know how to describe it. Bad analogy. But you have to be patient and stick with what you're doing. And analytically, the Tigers as an organization, you know, have to do a better job than they did last year with those type of signings. And I believe they did with these two guys. They were both in the baseball reference version of War one five and one six, which me and uh, Cron and I'd have to look at what it is, uh, you know, uh, uh, for scope. But the the uh, situation with. Uh, you know, 2.0 is an average major league player. You get to 2.0, I mean, you're, you're starting to catch my attention. Yeah, right. And Kron has done that a especially couple times. In his, yeah, especially if you're an up-the-middle guy. But go ahead. And Kron has done that a couple times in his career. So the possibility, they'll, they'll, here's the thing, you got to have a respectable major league team. Last year, they when they didn't, you saw how the city reacted. The first a couple years of it, they were respectable, especially Gardy's first year. You know, they played reasonably good baseball, and then people started, you know, they accepted it because they know what's going on. So there's a possibility they'll do better that way. And they could have, in a short period of time, I think the Tigers could have outstanding pitching or pitching depth that they could flip into trades. It'll give uh, Alavila some maneuverability to actually be able to do some things. So that's how I look at it. I don't I don't think the picture is as bleak as, you know, if you act, asked uh, Joe Fan out there on the street who's disappointed – or, you know, even the great Tiger fans, and I, I love them all so much, who have been disappointed because they didn't win the world championship, came so close, you know, and now they're in a, a total rebuild that just looks uglier than heck after last year. 
But um, you know, there is there is a little bit more hope than what people think. I think that my opinion. I think the signings are, are also like the signing of Austin Romine. That's one of those yeah. ones you're like, Forgot okay, he's that. been a backup forever and he's 31. No, I, I really think this he's an above-average defensive catcher, always gets extra strikes, and you absolutely have to have that with the young pitching that's coming up. You have to have that veteran catcher. I think right. you know, I'll be able to use the word overwhelm for both Jake Rogers and Grayson Kreiner in their first shot at right. holding that job full-time or near full-time or at least splitting it in the case of Jake Rogers. And Austin Romine's not going to be overwhelmed. And I think there's incredible value in having a veteran catcher. Let's say he's not your – he's going to be the number one, I think. But I think he'll end up splitting playing time probably to a degree with well, you talked Grayson about Griner and or Jake Rogers. Look, uh, Jay, to me, Jake Rogers is much more upside than Grayson Griner. And last year they made a decision, and their decision was, look, we're in this spot. Uh, Guardian and staff looked at uh, – uh, Griner and they kind of liked what they saw, and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna you're gonna give him a shot." But you found what the shot looks like if you don't have a veteran guy with him, and uh, so now you got Rogers and Griner, and they're kind of competing. Okay, there's competition there, and then uh, Rogers to me has more of an upside, but you know, Griner may be able to apply himself right. better. We have to see, and then you have a veteran guy there at least that can provide a little bit of a pressure point more than like John Hicks. Right. It was a stretch as a major league catcher defensively. I like the signings, the other signings as well, because now you've got a second baseman and a first baseman. Those are your everyday guys for the most part. And you mentioned it. Competition is going to be so big. Jamer Candelario, I don't know if he got comfortable. I'm not quite sure what the deal is. I think he's one he of the biggest puzzles to the whole organization. The first two months of yeah. 2018, he had an OPS over 900. And since then, he's hit 200 with very modest he showed, power He showed numbers. a lot of promise when he was with the Cubs. I mean, so. it's in there, right. but it's been a year and a half where we haven't seen it. They're not going to give up on him, but I think the competition will be very good. Well, you know, he's I at mean, a, he's he at a point. Something lit. He he's, needs a fire lit. He either does it or he's not going to This play. is it. Yeah, this is it. And you know. so let's say he's at third base. Because remember, at the end of last year, he was moved over to first base because they liked Dawel Lugo better at third. I know what the defensive numbers said. They said it was the opposite, but that's what the Tigers liked. And I actually was impressed with Lugo at third base. But, I mean, to have that competition is a plus. Yeah. Well, Lugo finished well over his last 30 games or so. Shortstop, you mentioned the competition. It's going to be good room to start, or at least he's going to be given the chance to win it, but that'll be good competition for him to battle with Willie Castro. Well, it'll be fun in you're calling your spring training games, you know, with that. So we got a lot to talk about. Two, Love four, to eight. hear from the fans about yeah, what they think. we got open lines, 248-539-9797. We know you love baseball no matter what. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're fascinated by what's coming up in the Tigers season. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. CJ Cron, uh, who is going to be the uh, Tigers' first baseman, uh, will be with us at seven forty five. Till then, we've got open lines. Dan, and I'll be going over all kinds of stuff. This thing will move faster than you can imagine. It's Tiger Talk ninety seven one. The ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The Ticket. It's kind of like opening day, isn't it? The first Tiger Talk of 2020. Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson. Pat it's always good to be talking baseball this time of year. We'd love to hear from fans. Some fans are calling in. 
but we would love to hear from fans just about the moves that have been made. But more than anything, you and I were talking uh, before we came on about some of the things that are going to be going on this year. And it's obviously on the pitching side of the equation. Right. And this year becomes, again, another key year. How are those guys who are all going to, at some point, either start a AAA or be a AAA? I'm talking about the five guys, maybe even six guys, if you include Castro, at AA. Mize, Manning, Fajardo, Scubo, Wentz. Well, okay, I, I'll put it this way. Watch their progress, and that'll yeah. tell you what kind of year this is going to be for the Tigers because if they all advance, it's a very big year. Look, I, I don't I don't claim to be, you know, like some baseball branch Ricky, the uh, – 10th or something like that so you know don't take it this way but i did do those prospect rankings for a long time like 20 years and i uh, worked for baseball america i know how they're done so it's just said with respect when i say this and it's said from like somebody who sits here and watches a lot of minor league games probably more minor league baseball not because i'm patting myself on the back because well, i'm doing my work so hard that's what you like to do it's like what i like to do it's something that i track and follow it's a my hobby as much as my job so i'm into it okay you could be and a I'm, scout i could not be a scout i wouldn't say that but i, I have been to you know the golf oh, but you or, watch the games you're not just watching you're I've watching st- with a very practice eye go ahead you know <laughs> yeah i've been to make a long story short i've been to you know the instructional league the golf roast league i've seen all this stuff before uh you know i have a lot of people who mentored me when i was younger who knew stuff like this so i understand it somewhat okay I think their prospects, pitching-wise, if anything, are underrated by the national prospects. thing. Matt Manning, one of the more underrated prospects I've seen come down the line for the Tigers in a long time. Long time. He's a better prospect than Casey Mize. And Casey Mize is a very good top-end, possible one or two starter type, honestly, uh, type of guy. And that's not saying he's going to be that way, but he is. Tarek Scuba, when I saw him last year, I almost fell off my chair. All right? Uh, when you have strikeout rate at uh, his age, limited experience in double A, that's like two strikeouts per inning. Uh, you're missing bats, and it goes to things like that people don't like to talk about or think they're Orwellian, but like the, you know, the pitch tunneling and some of the things that he does. You know, the ball. He's he's from Seattle. He's getting where, swings and misses where, with his fastball. He knows what drive line is. Okay. So the things that people actually talk about that are involved in the game, a 21, 22-year-old and stuff, just put it this way, Tarek Scuba looks good, okay? And uh, Joey Wentz is underrated, the kid they got for Shaden Green. Okay, these prospect things, I watched him pitch. For his age at AA, he did well. He's got three pitches, the makings of three pitches. And Mize is real good, okay? And there's some others people writing off Bo Burrows. Bo Burrows are going to make him a reliever. He's got a chance. Well, some of these guys are going to end up in the bullpen. Yes. Uh, Fajardo has a chance. He, you know, Fajardo, there's a certain thing about him. I wouldn't have taken him 18th overall. I'm not going to lie, or lie to you. Um, and the draft, based on what I've seen, but, there, you know, he, he fights through things. He's revamped what he's doing. Uh, so, and these are top-end guys that could uh, be coming through here, possibly, and fairly quickly. Uh, Matt, you're on 97-1, the ticket. What's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing, Pat? Good. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I had the chance to talk to you a few times, and I love this time of year because let's talk baseball, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely on that. Hey, man, so what I like first and foremost is you're real passionate about baseball. I think I've always been listening to you a little more passionate about baseball, so I always love talking it. Matt Manning, you said the name. It's his time, bro. Let's bring him up. Let's make something happen. The kid went 11-5 and this year. He threw 265 in the AA in the Erie League. He finished second 
in the Eastern League this year for ERA. We didn't even win 50 games. So why are we not pulling him up and making this kid shine? I've been hungry, hungry to see him since we drafted him. What now? Is it four years ago? Or three, yeah. Well, he is, you know, in, in fairness to the Tigers on that, he's not ready for that yet. You know, it might be this year. Uh, they hand, they've had, some of their guys I've had criticism with that they've held him back too much. Um, you know, and they, they, you know, it's kind of like, hey, look what he's doing in the minor leagues. Well, you need to push him a little bit. With Manning, I think they've handled that. Really well. Really well, actually. And uh, they've, re- you know, one point, you know, he wasn't throwing hard because they revamped his delivery. Um, and uh, it turned out that they did a very good job, uh, their instructors, with that because he came back, you know, throwing harder than ever. And plus his spin rate has got to be very high. You know, he, he misses bats. And uh, they don't provide the spin rate to us. But uh, he, uh, he, you know, and the other thing, too, is if you were to look at what you're looking for pitchers now uh, compared to what you used to look for for pitchers, uh, Matt Manning does the things that you want. I mentioned the pitch tunnel thing. I don't want to get too Orwellian on people. It kind of freaks people out. But Matt Manning throws two pitches, basically, and that's all he needs, you know, because they're kind of deceptive and they come out of the same – Tunnel, but you know, if it's 23.9 feet from the release point, a hitter has to make a decision right. on hitting. And one of them's a fastball that's up in the zone that spins real high and they swing through, and the other one, he's got a good hammer curveball, and that's what they're looking for now. They're not looking for you know, two seam fastballs anymore and you know, trying to pitch the contact and everything, uh, the way the hitters are. And Matt Manning is six foot six and he's athletic. And he's got a little bit of nastiness to him, and he's matured. You know, you can tell just by his demeanor on the mound, he has a chance to be He a turns star. 22 this month. He has, and for what he did at AA at his age is very unusual. He's but his walks, that was right. significant while keeping the strikeout rate yes. at double digits. Yeah, I don't want to get overhyped on him, but he's underrated. He's underrated by Tiger fans. The, the love that you give to Casey Mize probably should go to Matt Manning. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Gary, you're on Tiger hey. Talk. What's up? Hey, Pat and Dan, how you doing? Hi, Gary. Hey, um, I'm going to ask you guys to pull out your crystal ball, and what I'd like to do is make, give me seven names when they come north this year: five starters, setup man, and closer. If you had to pull out your crystal ball right now, who would they be? Well, Boyd. I'll go with Boyd. I think the rotation is. The top four are pretty set. I mean, I can't picture Jordan Zimmerman being yeah, he'll be. bid adieu. <laughs> I know he struggled, and it wasn't pretty last year, but, I mean, you've got one more year at, what, $25 million. So I think it's Boyd, it's Zimmerman, it's Turnbull, it's Norris, Norris, and then Tyler Alexander certainly has a shot at that fifth spot. I think there'll be a definite competition. But seven walks, 47 strikeouts, and what was it, 50-some innings. was pretty impressive for Tyler Alexander. Yeah. Uh, he relies on great command. Uh, but, I mean, right now he's got the inside edge of that. I don't think any of the young kids, to me, the to project the 2021 rotation, that's where it gets really interesting because you still got Boyd, Norris, Turnbull, and then how many of those guys that we were talking about from AA, who several will make it to the major leagues this year, you would think, how many of those guys are going to push out one of those three, push one to the bullpen, 
and or end up in the bullpen themselves. Well, that's where Alavila, and that's pretty much what it's probably going to be, the rotation, Gary. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, uh, Norris, you know, has it still, I think, has, you know, we talk about it every year, but sometimes you, it looks like Daniel Norris can have the sunshine on him. And I think Turnbull eventually might be a bullpen piece uh, because his stuff, especially if he were just going at an inning at a time, uh, could really be filthy. You know, if they were able to get that mindset uh, of him of, look, you're just all out for an inning. And that's the idea now is to get six innings and then have nasty pieces come out of the bullpen. And uh, maybe even Norris could uh, possibly fill that role. But what happens if those guys start to come up? Is it gives Al Avila the flexibility to make more trades, mm-hmm. you know? And again, it goes to tilling the soil, working your thing, getting more guys, you know, using what resources you have to balance out what you don't have, and uh, that that'll be really interesting. But they do have three top end pitching prospects. I mean, high end, legitimately guys. in the top thirty, without in all question, the major leagues, without question, all the minor leagues, without right? question. Those three kids, in my opinion. Okay, and uh, Wentz is underrated. So, and we've seen talented rotations come up before, but nothing in the Tiger system. There was go back to the mid nineties. There was some hype. Remember, I can't remember all their well, names. Well, Drumright, Greisinger, right. right. Willis Roberts. And who was these, the big tall kid? These kids all throw much harder and are better than those guys. Better but to athletes. Say three in the top thirty, legitimately in all of the minor leagues. That's something that we have not seen before. Yeah, it's and uh, this isn't. Us talking. These are outside talent evaluators. And in my opinion, and I look, I, I've been anything but like somebody who's sitting there trying to overrate their prospects. All right. Um, sometimes I've called their bluff when they hype these guys. A lot of times I have. But if anything, those outside sources are underrating those three pitching prospects, uh, particularly Scubo and Manning. They usually give Mize his due because he's the first overall pick. Real- and he is really good. So that's that's how I feel about it. Real quick, asked about a closer and setup. It's going to be Menez as the closer. I think a guy to keep his eye on. I mean, Buck Farmer had a really good year last year. He improved in many ways. But Brian Garcia is going to get a big chance, I think, this year to show that he can be in that setup role. And don't you? Coming up next, I'll tell you what the Bill James handbook is predicting <laughs> for Joe Jimenez this season. You'll be stunned. 97 won the ticket. Dang. Your season ticket to Detroit sports. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The Ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. I'd uh, love to hear from you today. Tiger Talk, Pat Caputo, Double D, Dan Dickerson, TJ Cron coming up at uh, 7.45, Tigers News. Did, did I pronounce his name right, man? I'm Crone. Crone. CJ. Add an E where there is no E. <laughs> you know the, you know, like uh, like you do these perfect denunciate pronunciations. <laughs> See, I've been mispronounced pronunciation. <laughs> and uh, you know how you got if you want somebody that's just like perfect that way. Uh, I'm not your guy. That's how people people complain. I said I'm not your guy. Um, cause I, I, I spell it right though. When I write it. Well, that's, that's your training. Yes, that's right. That's my training. <laughs> it's like a famous programmer once said, you sound like a Polish guy from Ham Tramway. He said, that's a good thing in Detroit. And I said, thank you. Thank you very that's much. That's who I am. Uh, even though I'm just like one eighth Polish, mostly Italian and French and all that stuff. But anyway, 
enough of that stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, we'd love to hear from the Tiger fans. JT, you're on uh, Tiger Talk, a 97-1 the ticket. What's up, buddy? Hello. Hey. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. Hey, JT. All right. Listen, a uh, couple things. Um, when you were, when the gentleman called and asked you about the rotation, uh, I noticed you didn't mention Michael Fomer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as to what his health status is. And also, I know Dad Cameron, um, it appeared as though he may make it out of spring training last year and be up with the big club, but I know he struggles some in the minors. What's yep. the thought on him this year? I think you bring up a great point in Daz Cameron because as Pat and I were alluding to earlier, th- this spring training is going to be different, I think, in in terms of there's going to be a lot of competition going on. Spring training is not the best time to try to figure out whether a guy belongs on your major league roster on opening day. But this year with all the young players that they have on their roster – I think there's going to be competition and you're going to have to make, you're going to have to make decisions based on their performance in spring. And I do think Daz Cameron could change some minds. I I think it's a long shot for him to make it out of spring training, but don't forget about Daz Cameron. He showed an awful lot in spring training last year. He right. had a bad year in the minor leagues and there's still an awful lot of uh, skill uh, in that young man. He's still young. Well, so there's a couple of things. I'm really here. intrigued by what his, what happens if he has another good spring? You know, JT, I don't know what was going on with his manager there last year. His manager, McCavage, was fired. Okay. Uh, he came out and publicly criticized him pretty harshly. Uh, I remember uh, reading the quotes, and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I don't know whether he's trying to give him some tough love or what was going on. Also, Daz Cameron was overwhelmed in AAA. He had a bad year in every level. Not, you know, I mean, he, everything. He wasn't what he should have been. Uh, based on his tools, but he was awfully young for that league. Tons of pressure. And the other th- what I like about him, one, his dad was a major league player, so he has somebody who can walk that through with him. Okay. Right. And then the other thing that I like about him is when he was in the minor leagues, he did the same thing when he first got drafted. He was supposed to be, you know, this, that, and this, and he wasn't. And the kid battled his way out of it. Uh, and be you know started to do well at the uh, low A level, and then he kind of hit a wall here. So okay. I think if you were to write him off, people, I'm talking about everybody out there, uh, that's too soon um, for a young player at that age that they actually pushed. So it'll be interesting to see what he learns. And he, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not making some bold prediction, but it wouldn't surprise me or shock me if, like in June, our view of Cam- Daz Cameron is completely different than what it is now. What about the health That's- of Michael Fulmer and Jacoby Jones? Jones is fine. Fulmer, it's not only an arm, but some questions about his knee. Ooh, okay. All yeah. right, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Good to hear you talking baseball. Yeah, I think Fulmer is going to bounce back, but, you know, there's some injury issues there. Well, I, I think, I mean, always I think that it's important to remember, 15 months, can you come back from Tommy John? Sure. More likely, it's 18 months. Right. And he had the surgery in March right. of last year, and that puts you into September. <laughs> I mean, they're hoping July, August. Knowing Michael Fulmer and how hard he's working to get back, I wouldn't put it past him. Well, he has, 15 uh, months, though, is for a starting pitcher, I would say that's kind of at the short end of recovering from Tommy John. But the knee issue, obviously the knee was an issue in the spring. He had the brace on. He's He was truly learning a different way to drive off that back leg, how much he was going to bend that back leg, whether he was going to be up more upright, whatever it was, he had to learn how to manage what has been, if not chronic, it's something that he's had to deal with 
arthroscopically several times now, I think. So I'm not sure that to me is still out there. In other words, the arm may be great by midsummer, but has he learned to pitch with whatever it is that's going on in that push-off right knee? Saw him in the clubhouse late in the year. Uh, I'd love to see him back. He's just one of the good guys that we've had on this roster in recent years. I'd love to see him back. I love watching him pitch. He looked about like 15, 20 pounds lighter, uh, you know, which could help with the knee issue. Uh, The knocks on him, he said, first of all, nobody you'll ever find has a better approach than Michael Fulmer. He's everything you want in a major league player, everything, from a standpoint of working his tail off and doing what he has to. And he's got that competitive character that's extraordinary and exceptional snap in his arm, which helps. He was the fourth uh, highest velocity among starters that the last year that he pitched uh, at over 95 miles an hour. That He's impressive that way. And he's got a slider that when it's right is really good. The arm issue was predictable. Scouts talked about him. It was why he was taken in the draft. Uh, after a couple other Oklahoma products, Archie Bradley and Dylan Bundy, remember those guys? Uh, Fulmer was a second-round pick that year. When he was with the Mets, he broke down. Um, I, I talked to scouts when they made the trade, said, we love this kid, everything about him, but he's got a violent delivery. Um, and a blocky body, you know, is not that, uh, you know, body like uh, Manning has or, you know, like Verlander has. Um, but competitive, everything. And uh, I think he probably will be in outstanding shape and will do everything he possibly yes. can. But, you know, sometimes your genetics are what they are with certain body parts. Right. If his knee is what it is, you know, it's going to, you know, it's it's a rough go, man. I mean, staying healthy as a major league pitcher, you know, for an extended period of time, as a pitcher, period, as a right. professional pitcher, is an extraordinary achievement if you can pull it off. Just staying healthy. Just staying healthy. Just staying healthy. Right. Because the... Your body is not designed, your shoulder, your elbow, you know, it's not designed to throw a baseball that much, that hard, that often, all out, and stress it in, you know, you're snapping down on different pitches. So it's uh, it's a science as much as an art. And we're still, it seems like, still learning so much about how to keep an arm healthy. And That's we're, right. We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, projections on Michael Fulmer, I love the heart in, in that guy. I do, too. Love everything. I love Michael Fulmer. And you've got him athlete. under control for three more years. Right. 20, 21, 22. But I also I would been love doing, to see him come back and make, say, 10 starts right. by the end of this year. And that's, you know, in don't count him out. I would never count that kid out. But I got to say, the, the logical part of me that's been doing this for a long time would say he's the ultimate 50-50 proposition mm-hmm. at this point. I don't disagree. You know, so... You like know, you said, that see. competitive, that drive, that competitiveness in the drive, he'll do everything he can to get back. You know that. You know, and, he, you know, he he would help them because he's a leader type. And then, you know, that, like him and Boyd are like, you know, what you got, you get everything you got from those guys. And that's another thing. I mean, when we talk about, wouldn't it be fascinating to try to figure out what the rotation is 2021? A... Michael Fulmer, you'd love to be part of that conversation. But it does bring up, if you've got a bunch of young kids and they could all be in the rotation in 2021, right. I think it's history certainly shows you can't build a competitive rotation with just all rookies. Right. First or second year guy. You need the veteran presence. So like you said, a veteran presence like a Michael Fulmer, like a Matthew Boyd, will be worth a lot Yeah. when those young kids come up. No, I don't think they're in the end. I mean, think, think of it. The Mets, try, or the Mets try to do it with Mats, Wheeler, DeGrom, Syndergaard. 
all of had some kinds of injuries. I mean, they've never been able to keep all four healthy, I don't think, for more than maybe one year. It's the nature of... Right, that's, an, that's an and that's a, yeah, just a, that yeah. that rotation because they're all at any given moment really top-notch pitchers, but it's a great reminder that you just can't build a rotation with all young arms, and they're not going to all it's stay like with healthy. Casey Mize, you know, I mean, the Tigers looked at him; they they changed, you know, the the mechanical part of the, what they needed immediately after the draft. They knew exactly what they were getting. They did their due diligence on that. So those are the situations uh, that come up. We. Uh, a lot of people have been wondering about Tiger Fest this year, and I know word came out today. Yeah, today. It has uh, been basically rescheduled for summertime right? Uh, when it's a little warmer and when people have been out at the ballpark in, in warm summer weather. So this year the caravan is going to go on the 22nd, 23rd. I'll be on the West Bus going out state. There's another bus that's around town. And then the 24th, which is the Saturday, which would normally be the day for Tiger Fest, has been for the last 24 years. This year will be a special autograph day at District Detroit. So that's Saturday, June the 20th, or January 25th is instead of Tiger Fest will be a special day, kind of a continuation of the caravan right. from the previous two days. So just so fans know, and uh, you can get more details at tigers.com. 248-539-9797. You can forget that phone number because coming up next, <laughs> CJ Cron. Is it Crone? Cron? Crone? Crone. Crone. CJ Crone. New Tigers first baseman, uh, 25 home runs last year. 1.6 war. It's pretty good. Be talking to us next on Tiger Talk. A 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk, 97 won the ticket. It's great to be with you. And uh, we're joined now by one of the newest Tigers. Uh, that is uh, C.J. Crone, uh, the first baseman who played for the um, Minnesota Twins last year. He's been in the major leagues for a while and uh, hit 25 home runs. And, C.J., welcome to Detroit. You're on with Pack Pacabudo. And the guy you're going to see a lot uh, this year, Dan Dickerson, the radio play-by-play voice of the Tigers. What's up? Not too much, guys. Thanks for having me. So uh, just tell us your thoughts. It's always interesting for us to hear. I, I think the, one of the more exciting pieces of the signings of both you and your Minnesota Twins teammate, Jonathan Scope, last year, you, the Tigers, you know, <laughs> won 47 games last year. Two guys from a team that won over 100 games coming to this program, this organization that's obviously had a tough time in recent years. Kind of what, what attracted you to the Tigers, but also the value of having two guys who like each other from a 100-win team as the Tigers try to turn things around. Yeah, I think uh, Al and, and the Tigers made it very clear early on to me that um, they kind of wanted to to kick on with this, I guess, rebuild, as, as people like to call it. Um, but when you're rebuilding, uh, having young players is great, but there, there comes a point where there needs to be competitiveness. There needs to be guys pushing each other. There needs to be, um, I mean, how the saying goes, hitting is contagious. And I think um, the better your offense is, um, it kind of gives those young guys something what they've had Miggy there forever to learn from. So it's going to be special. Uh, yeah, but like I said, just um, just them, them making making that that uh, communication early, um, and that's kind of the step they want to take. And I was I was super pumped to to be able to be a part of it. You know, how much is a major league hitter in 
relatively short period you've been in professional baseball, but your approach to everything, your off-season program, uh, different things we read a lot about uh, and talk a lot about, at least on this show, you know, about the new technology that's in the game, all these different things. Uh, I think the buzzwords become a launch angle, but it's a lot uh, uh, more broad-based than that. How much has it changed even in the short period you've been a pro ball player, uh, CJ? Yes changed a bunch I think when I started out with the Angels there was I mean you, you've heard of analytics but there was never guys in the dugout guys in the locker room um, those front office type people that would kind of give you scouting reports based on on different types of things and I think um, you kind of just see the game kind of evolving and it's a it's a very fine line I think as a player to, to what you take in and, and what you kind of let go in one ear out the other so to speak um, but no, everyone's trying to help. Sometimes it can be a little bit too much info. Some guys love all of it. Um, it's just really important to kind of know yourself as a player and, and know what you can and, and can't take in. And it's not, it's not a bad thing to admit that you don't know what they're talking about. So it's just kind of one of those things where you take it in stride. Um, you see what works for you. You, you, you listen um, and, you, and you try to adjust and you try to get better as a baseball player. Tigers this offseason, CJ, I know you're probably aware of this. A lot of, some of the most important moves have involved adding people to the analytics department, getting guys who are now going to be directing, you know, the hitters as they develop through the minor leagues, pitching strategies now. That's a new job that the Tigers have created. It seems like the Minnesota Twins did some very innovative things over the last couple of years, hiring Wes Johnson was a move that I think some people are surprised by, and it seemed like he did a pretty darn good job. Your offense was unbelievable in Minnesota last year. What is it that you think Minnesota did so well in applying the analytics that they were using? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, there's there's just there's a ton of information out there, and I think what makes a, a team stick out on that is kind of what they what they transfer their players and what they allow their players to take in. And like I said, some guys love it and some guys will study it and other guys aren't really into it. So it's a fine line. Um, I think what hel- helped the Twins last year was their identity. They kind of they brought in, I don't know, maybe five additional hitters, all with all with power. And it was something you could you could tell very very early on that they wanted to build a lineup that could that could hit the ball over the fence one through nine. And I think. We kind of hung our hat on our power all year long, and um, it's uh, it was just something they wanted to do. They saw a vision for it, and they went and got the pieces that that fit their vision. And I think that's super important is to have a have a roster full of guys that fit what you're trying to do. And I think uh, the Tigers are on their on their way to doing that. And I'm like I said, I'm super pumped to be a part of it. Your power numbers have jumped in each of the last two years. Anything in particular behind that for you? Uh, not really. I think it's consistent playing time. I mean, it was, uh, with the Angels playing behind a future Hall of Famer and Albert Pujols was never an easy thing. So I think just getting traded over to Tampa and, and, and being able to, to kind of be in the lineup most of the day, and, um, get comfortable in the box and, and see different types of pitchings. I think the longer longer you do this, the, the, the more of an awareness you have of what guys are trying to do. And um, I think you just continue to learn as you go. And I think it was just natural progression for me. You know, uh, Comerica Park's a bit of an interesting park. Uh, the, the home run numbers are pretty much right in the middle. Year uh, after year after, year after year. year, right in the middle. And it, there's a lot of space out there, you know, as you know, playing there. How do you look at the uh, ballpark that you're coming in to play in uh, 81 games a year now? Yeah, I, I always uh, always like playing in Comerica. I think it's, it's a really nice stadium. Um, 
I've actually had some pretty solid numbers there, so hopefully I can kind of <laughs> kind of keep it going. And yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's it's nothing you can really worry about. Like I said um, earlier, it's, it's pretty much you versus the pitcher, and they're going to try to do their best to get you out. And um, if you take care of your own business, it doesn't really matter what park you're in, you're going to be successful. So that's kind of the mindset I have. You're coming to Detroit. As you mentioned, Miguel Cabrera has been in the middle of this lineup for a while. You've seen him as a from the other dugout. Just describe, we know that the production has dropped in recent years. There are some reasons for that. He's obviously committed himself to reshaping his body and being in terrific shape going into spring training. But just describe for fans from the opposing dugout and now that you're going to be his teammate, what being in a lineup like with a guy like that can mean to a hitter? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's one of the one of the best of all time. I think the numbers he's put up over the past decade even has been just ridiculous. And I mean, coming in every, anytime you play Detroit, that's the one guy you're, you're, you're pretty much watching everything he does. You're watching him hit, you're watching him play defense and just how he goes about his business. And, uh, it's been a special thing to watch. I'm, I'm super excited to be in the same lineup as that guy. Um, it's really hard to continue the success that he had early on. It's nearly impossible. So, um, kind of just, just getting back to it. Um, I haven't never, I've never really met him before besides just playing against him at, at first base. So I'm super excited to get to know him and, uh, and be his teammate. Tell us real quickly, tell Tigers fans about, uh, your teammate last year and your teammate again this year, Jonathan Scope. Yeah. Scope is a really good dude. He's a, he's a great teammate. Um, does really well with the young players I, I saw in Minnesota. And as a baseball player, he'll give you a very good, good defense at second, uh, very, probably one of the strongest arms I've ever caught over there at first uh he can pretty much make a throw from anywhere and he's got really good pop um he's built like a like a horse and he can hit the ball a very very long way um he's fun to watch and i'm i kind of saw him at my at my physical i'm like hey dude what are you doing here <laughs> he kind of got talking again i i didn't really expect it so it was actually pretty awesome and um i'm super excited to, to, to play with him again he's a great dude well, CJ, welcome to Detroit. You know, it's a, I think you'll find it to be a great sports town, great baseball town. Ultimately, the Tigers uh, players are long remembered. Long after they play here, they'll tell you that. And um, 99.99% of a great experience here. So <laughs> wish you well. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and I, I can't wait to get out there. All Thanks, right. Man. Thanks, CJ. Really C- appreciate it. All right, guys. Yep, see you. That was uh, CJ Crone. Hey, Dan, that one flew by. Fastest hour in radio. Fastest hour in radio. <laughs> so, But uh, we'll be back next, next week. Next Wednesday, Wednesday, I believe. Is that right? Wednesday. I'd have to double-check that schedule. We're getting the thumbs up from David Hall there, so I know that's <laughs> accurate. Thank you, David. There you go. So, But anyway, uh, yeah, coming up next, you know what? You got me for like 10 minutes for Red Wings hockey. 97 won the ticket. Check out Lady Jane's haircut.